0: yeah it's josh williams here everybody and welcome to the one man podcast episode number five for wednesday june 14th 2017 thank you for listening to me yet again i appreciate you guys being here uh lots to talk about this week I think uh, I've been mulling over this all day. So it is Tuesday. I'm recording this the day before the podcast comes out, and uh, I've been stalling today. Um, there's some things that I want to talk about. I'm. Uh, <laughs> it's it, like it's at a delay already. Look, it's not. I don't want this to be a slow episode. I want to. Well, a few of the things I've been doing when listening to myself recording this is I want to talk a little slower. Um, I'm a pretty you know, happy-go-lucky, fun-loving guy for the most part, so sometimes I'll end up laughing over myself when I'm talking, so I, I apologize for doing that. Again, just a, a new medium I'm trying to, to get you know, used to, but I'm really enjoying doing this. It is just me this episode. Last episode, the lady was on here with me, just me this time talking. Um, I've got a lot of things I want to share with you guys. We have a, a new sponsor this week that I will mention as of this morning. So that's pretty exciting for me. Uh, last week, I talked right at the beginning of the episode about how I can see where in the world you guys are listening from. And I had mentioned that I do have uh, a listener in Australia. It, it seemed three episodes in, three downloads each a different time, you know, uh, from Australia. And uh, and last week was no different. So episode four came out, and then within a day or two, a fourth download from Australia. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't get an email from that person yet. They haven't, uh, they haven't chosen <laughs> to to say hello yet. So that's kind of exciting for me. That that might end up being our weekly nail biter. And at the point that the person might just be like, you know what? This could be someone who accidentally hit subscribe on my thing and has no idea that this podcast is being downloaded to their phone or computer on any kind of regular basis. So I hope someday the mystery is solved, but it is uh, as it stands right now, it seems that there's uh, someone in Australia listening, which is very, very cool. I also have a ton of regular loyal listeners in Canada as well. uh, And I'm really grateful for everyone who is listening to me on a regular basis. We're going to keep getting this thing funnier and funnier and more entertaining and more, uh, you know, spontaneous. Like I said, I'm better when I'm spontaneous. The more I'm trying to, you know, hit a, a goal for you guys. to achieve. It's like the same with comedy. I'm never going to write a joke that absolutely everybody loves. And you know what? Not every episode is everyone going to love. So I'm just going to tell you guys what's going on with me. That was the whole point of this podcast in the first place was to connect with friends, family, fans, anyone who wants to know what's going on with me personally or in my comedy career that's what this is for. So that's what it's gonna be. All right. And if you guys just after a while are like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't possibly listen to an hour of someone else's life every single week. So I'm grateful for the fact that you guys choose to listen to an hour of mine. Very kind of you. Um. So let's get right into it. Last week, uh, I saw something on Facebook that I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, there was a video of a woman in Philadelphia who had had uh, way too much to drink. Because she was asked to leave a comedy club. The, one of the opening acts had actually recorded the interaction between her and some of the staff and a police officer actually outside of the club. And what happened was uh, she stand outside of the club. You can see this video. All you have to do is type in woman gets kicked out of comedy club. It's like this is the big thing that's blown up. I saw it the morning after uh, it had happened from the comic who posted it. Um, but basically, this woman had too much to drink. She wouldn't shut up during the show, and they had to kick her out. That happens all the time in stand-up comedy. Um, but outside, she's yelling at a cop. She tries to spit on someone. She she uh, tells the police officer to smell her shoe. Uh, it, it was a little ridiculous. Um, and and the thing was, she's not alone. Like I think a lot of comedians had posted on on you know had shared this video, had posted on other people's sharing of this video. And was like, yeah, this woman, she is at every club every weekend. Like, she's not alone. And I don't want to make this um, anything about women. It's not about women. Women, you have your voices carry a little bit better than others. It's a higher pitch. So typically in the dark, we can hear you easier than we can hear, you know, a low bassy voice of of a more masculine person. Um so unfortunately this is going to be driven a little bit more to some of the the female experiences we've had in clubs but guys can be just as annoying too. Um but the problem is is that people get drunk at a club and then they, they start talking to their friends like, hey oh guys, so funny. Stacy, you did that same thing. And it's not to say that anyone who's talking is, is necessarily having a bad time, but it's very disruptive to the show because comedy clubs are designed in such a way that noise carries. It's a spoken word performance and we make the room small so that, that the the sound from what we're saying carries. But at the same time, we need those laughs back. Um, I've done a lot of shows in venues that are you know two-story tall, places that are more designed to be music halls and things. And it's a lot more... You know uh difficult to sort of time things the reason being is that when people laugh it sort of goes up into the air and and doesn't come back down so the reason comedy clubs are sort of tight little boxes is because that keeps the laughs in together and of course laughter breeds laughter our whole job is to manipulate laughter out of you right we're trying to you know set things up so that you laugh a certain way well the environment that we're in also plays a part i don't know if you've ever seen a, a live performance outside doesn't quite go the same way because again, all the laughs and sound just disperses out. So for us comedians, we play off of your energy quite a bit. That's another reason why having a front row at a comedy club is full. Um, we, we, we may touch on this little side note. I've got Jason Lawrence, the owner of absolute comedy. There's a a competition coming up. I'll talk more about that later. He's going to be my guest next week on the show. I'll, uh, I'll mention that again later on, but we may get into some of this stuff. So I'll try to be brief. If you feel like maybe I, I, didn't you know touched too lightly on something know that next week we'll have a lot of comedy talk so uh, i'll try to be brief but the idea is in a comedy club everything's tight close you know we want those laughs to bounce back because energy you know energy breeds energy laughter breeds laughter and we want everyone laughing having a good time but unfortunately in this same environment chatter carries too now there's no problem if you're whispering in a comedy because we can't hear you when you do that. But the second you add any tone in your voice, I know that my voice carries because there's so much bass in it. And and that really carries in a small room. And people can hear the vvvvv at the table next to them sometimes more than they can hear the comedian. Um, And the high-pitched voice, oh my god. And so you you want to get more shots? You get more? Yeah. What? What? Uh, we're just laughing. We're not even doing anything. So that's the doorman coming over and telling the guys you gotta be quiet. I used to do Door at Absolute, um, you know, way back when I first started stand up. And I remember the amount of times people, I could hear them across the room what they were saying. And I'd go over and go, guys, I know you're having a good time. I just have to ask you to whisper because, the, you know, it's disrupting the show. I had a couple people come over and complain, you know, just please just whisper, no problem. You know, tell them two, three times and they're like, whatever, who are you? you know, and it's always a pride thing, you know, it, there's alcohol involved that never makes a discussion easy, but the idea is people get drunk, they get told to be quiet, now they feel like they're being parented, and some people are good about it, they go, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, and then they, they adjust, they understand, sometimes they even get told a second time, and they start to get it, you know, but some people are like, ha, fuck you, we're not even, da, da, da. so this particular woman in the video um, got kicked out, And you can see her on the street mouthing off at a cop, trying to spit on a staff member, screaming, yelling. She even says, like, we didn't even do anything. We were just laughing. And that we were just laughing bullshit happens all the time. The amount of people, when I'm on stage, I can repeat verbatim what they said because I heard every word at their table. You know, they're so loud that, you know, and then you turn it on. Apparently, we're not allowed to laugh. Um, That's something, too, I, I mentioned. When I saw this video, I posted this video saying that, um, you know what, this happens at comedy clubs all the time, and places like Absolute will will kick people out. This woman got kicked up because they're being too loud, they're disrupting the show. And the thing is, these people are the ones who the next day, the ones who get kicked out, are the ones who will go on Facebook or Yelp or any of these rating ones and be like, ah, oh, one star. Uh, we went out for a night of good times. And we're told we shushed repeatedly. Apparently you're not allowed to laugh at these places. It's like, you know, people who are taking no accountability. And then of course the businesses get hit for doing what's necessary to, to help everyone enjoy the place. So, um, I had posted the video showing people and this woman was being whole like horrible outside, horrible. She was like, we didn't say anything. We we're just laughing. And then two minutes later, she's like pointing at the comic. Who's taking the video of her being arrested or whatever. And, uh, She's like, I didn't even say all we said to you was like, oh, nice scarf or shirt or hat or something. Like so the whole idea is she's like, oh, we were just laughing. And then she openly admits to yelling out, you know, commenting on the comedian when he was on stage and stuff like that. So um for what it's worth, just a little side note here, you know, nine minutes into the podcast already trying to shorten things up. What I'm saying is if you guys want to check out this video, you can you can Google it, whatever, you'll see it. But this is a woman for like ten minutes outside being so obnoxious. Um And just, this happens at comedy clubs all the time. So what I was asking when I shared this was, you know, uh, businesses take, take shit all the time for, for doing what's necessary. Like you can't go into a movie and start talking, you know, you can't go to the, the opera or somewhere else where, you know, a theater and, and, and just talk the whole time and expect not to, you know, have people shushing you and telling you to shut up. We have doormen for that reason. Um, so I said to anyone who's ever been to a comedy club that they enjoy, you know, uh, take a second and just give a positive review because you know, people like this are always reviewing the clubs negatively because they're getting kicked out for completely unacceptable behavior. And uh, I will say uh, in terms of the people who laugh, there's lots of great laughers. I've heard some of the funniest, silliest, goofiest laughs, the ones, the point where like they'll laugh out and it will actually stop comedians in their, in their tracks just because it's so funny and we'll laugh with them. Nobody has an issue with that. No one has ever gotten kicked out of a comedy comedy club that I've been to or been aware of for just laughing. It's the people who have to repeat the jokes of their friends at the table or immediately start a conversation about, Oh, that happened to me too. Remember when you did it? It's like, now you're talking, that's not laughing. You're talking and no, that's not okay. Um, but anyway, so that, that happened last week. That was, um, uh, kind of a big thing that I wanted to share with people. And a lot of comedians wanted to share. We wanted people to see like, yeah, this is, this is what that looks like. And it's not its not the clubs kicking people out for laughing. Like, what kind of fucking business model is that? Hey, come on and have a good time. If you laugh, though, we're going to kick you out. All right? Just be aware. Like, doesn't doesn't happen. Um, anyways, uh, the one bad thing, though, is this woman in the video. She's like, I am i work for the media here. You're going to hear about me. I'm not some fucking hood rat. I work for, you know, four letters I don't remember. I don't want to misquote her, but she's on the street. I work for this. Now, something I don't agree with. Um, she lost her job in the media for acting like a maniac on the street. Um, she didn't say, she attacked the cop in the sense, like verbally kept saying, that's why everyone hates fucking cops. Cause you guys fucking arrest people for nothing. This woman's getting ready to throw her shoe and spitting on people on the street for doing nothing. Oh, right. Cause I'm in a girl. Cause I'm in it. It was, it was obnoxious to watch. However, uh, her job fired her for being drunk on the street, which I thought was too intense. You know what I mean? Like nowadays, like you can't. It's so fucking scary. You can't do anything without being like, "Well, this is gonna, this could reflect." I mean, that's social media is fucking scary like that. Even me on my podcast, like I'm, a, I think I'm a pretty genuine person. I don't want to hurt anybody. I love everybody. I want everyone to win. But sometimes I, I, you know, will go, "Fuck!" I hope I didn't say anything that could offend people without even knowing it. But that's that's the world we live in now. Um, so it real. I think way too much punishment. Like she was loud. She was obnoxious. She got kicked out. She lost her money for the tickets. You know, like that's, that's the punishment. The punishment is you talk and get drunk in a show and you won't shut up. You, you get kicked out to lose your job over it. I, I think that's too much, but whatever. So long story short, uh, or, you know, long short story, very long. Um, there, check out that video if you want to see what it, what it looks like. Um, but that shit happens in comedy clubs every single week. Um, so if you are the person who likes to go out and get drunk and you're going to a comedy club, know that if you start talking, you will get kicked out. And when you're drunk and you're talking like this, we can fucking hear you. You're not laughing. People don't laugh in full sentences. So just be aware, have fun, go to a comedy club for the love of God, support live comedy. It's great. But if you're going to get shit faced and start talking, you're going to, you're going to leave. You're going to fucking leave. Um, so, yeah, that was a thing that happened uh, last week. I was interested to share. Uh, had a good weekend uh, with the madame. We built a barbecue, which was fun. It's been a while, and we we got the backyard all set up, so we thought, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe a barbecue this year. She spearheaded that, found a great one. Uh, I built it and put it together. She went out and picked up some uh, spectacular burgers. These burgers were all, like, I don't know, fancy. Rich people burgers, you know what I'm saying? The kind where they mix everything in them to you know for you. They're only five dollars each for a fucking burger you cook at home. Anyways, they were they were good. I had a like a bacon cheeseburger with cheese and bacon right in the burger. Oh god, it was delicious. Um, and I think uh, she she had the same. And then the one of the kiddos had uh, what was it like maple chipotle burger? I'm Like these are spectacular. And because we bought the barbecue after like after work. And, you know, drove to, to one spot and then another looking at them and then got home and it took me like an hour and a half to build the damn thing. Uh, we got the, the Bergs like 20 minutes before close. So they were half price. Yeah. Savings guys. That's, that's what the one man podcast brings for you as well. Great economic tips to save money in your weekly endeavors. Oh, and I'm having my cold coffee that I haven't drank, uh, yeah, it's True North. I'm very patriotic in my coffee drinking. I won't say the, what company I bought it from, but if you're an avid coffee drinker, True North is a very popular blend, and you'll know where I got it from. Um, so yeah, we built the uh, the barbecue, had some burgers, uh, and then we watched uh, by the kiddos' So wrestle- We had just one uh, the 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 boy. I, I I forgive me if it sounds weird. You're like, who the fuck talks like that? I don't want to mention the kids' names on the podcast. Um, I'm not overly concerned. You know, I don't think, like, oh, if I say their names, someone's going to fuck them. You know what I mean? Uh, and and the girlfriend's listening. I'm so sorry if that was super crass, Angel. I just uh, I just mean that, basically, why, why give more information on them than necessary? We got a boy and a girl. And I will say the boy, the girl, the young fella, the young madam, whatever it is, to identify them. So, just if it sounds weird. So, anyways, the, the young fella wanted to watch Friday the 13th. Um... And so we did, we watched Friday the 13th. That was the original 1981, which, uh, didn't know had Kevin Bacon in it. Kevin Bacon was, I think he had two lines in the whole movie. He was in it for a while, but, uh, that was a, that was my first time ever watching Friday the 13th and it was not, it was okay. It was all right. It was eighties. I think everyone knows what they know about Friday the 13th from other movies. Like I knew that, uh, spoiler alert, not sure if it was part of your weekend plans or anything, but. Uh, In the first Friday the 13th, Jason is not the killer. It is Mrs. Voorhees, his mother. Jason was a young boy at a uh, park, or what do you call it, summer camp? Well, park. Summer camp. And he drowned because the camp counselors were fucking instead of watching him. Now, yeah, so the mother comes back, murders camp counselors. In fact, actually, that seems to be like all they do in this movie is fuck each other. So, you know... But like he die, he he drowns in like the fifties, and then in the eighties they try to reopen the park, and that's when she comes back on a murder spree. So it'd be like okay, he's an adult now, um, but uh, kind of cheesy, like kind of really cheesy actually a lot of times in that movie, and but I enjoyed it. You know, it was kind of like okay, now I've seen the classic Friday the Thirteenth movie, time to watch the next. 16 shitty ones, or whatever it is, but uh, but kind of cool. The movie ends with the last survivor on a boat in the middle of the lake. I'm gonna turn down the hotness here. The um, last survivor in the middle of the lake in a canoe, and she uh, the police arrive, and just as she starts to sort of wake up, uh, a disfigured body pops out of the lake and grabs her and, and pulls her into the water. Uh, she wakes up later in the hospital. And goes, where's the boy? And she said, they're all like, oh, we don't know, ma'am. Sorry, we just found you in the water. Oh, that means he's still out there. Very ominous ending. But it's kind of funny because it's supposed to be like 30 years after he drowned and he's still a boy. You know what I mean? A little boy in the lake. But then like the next year, I guess when the sequel comes, he's a full grown gorilla monster, seven feet tall, running around, killing people with his bare hands. You know, but hey, go to a horror movie and try to find logic. So that was, I I honestly thought that was the bet, the worst movie I was going to see for some time, but oh, drum roll, everybody. We went to see on Saturday night. It comes at night. Wow. What? I spoiler alerts. Okay. I won't talk about it too long because we're already 20 minutes in and I've really not said much so far, but it comes at night is not a supernatural movie at all. Uh, The commercials make it seem that way. They show you things running around in the dark. They build a lot of emphasis on this red door that always stays closed. Um, All I can say is the trailer does not give you an idea of the movie you're going to see. It is a lie. The movie contains zero supernatural elements. None whatsoever. Um, There's parts in the movie where the sun has dreams and all of the stuff that they show in the the trailer uh I shouldn't say all but the vast majority of what they show things running around in the dark and and people sick or whatever um to so to speak you know infected like zombies all it's all dreams um the the name it comes at night at no point did i find anything in the movie that led me to to believe something different happens at night during the day they have things in the trailer like uh You know, the guy's like, ah, there's one door in and out of here, and I've got the only key right here. And he pulls a key out from around his neck, and he's like, I've got the only key in and out. We don't go outside at night, and if we go out during the day, we go in groups and do. Well, in the movie, they go out at night several times, uh, not out of necessity. They just go out at night whenever they feel like it. Um, The doors that they have, there's actually two doors. So that red door leads into sort of like a little mudroom foyer. Well, whatever. It's like a little workshop kind. It's, It's the only door in and out of the place but it's all covered in like plastic vapor barrier. Like it it basically looks like a Dexter kill room in there. So you've got people that sorry, not people, but you've got the space where you can go. It's almost like a little airlock. You know, you walk from the red door into this room and then from this room out into outside. So that's kind of where they put like quarantine people. There is a sickness in this movie, but, uh, yeah, it's more like I would say that this movie is closer to like Outbreak or Contagion than it is any kind of zombie or supernatural or or you know Twenty Eight Days Later or any of that kind of bullshit, which is really what they make it look like in the the trailers. So, anyways, uh, he pulls his key out. Oh, it's the only key, but both doors, the outer door and the inner door, are both like sliding deadbolts, like slide locks. So there is no key necessary to open it which so it's one of those like it made no sense why he said that but they use it in the trailer to seem very scary because two seconds later in the trailer they're like oh, the door was open who opened the door it's like all this shit made no sense and there was no answers you actually some like you never find out even at the end of the movie who opened that door um, a lot of things happen in that movie that they don't ever address they they start a bunch of questions and then at one point you're like okay so what's going on and then the movie's just over um, and to the point where, where, Crystal and I actually Googled, like we were in the car on our way home afterwards and we Googled what the fuck just happened in, you know, it comes at night. We don't like what we had to go. And the the director basically says that, um, he wants audiences to sort of think about it themselves. And we're kind of like, well, that seems like lazy work. Like, it's almost like you fill in the blanks and you write your own sort of story I'm like, yeah, if I wanted to write my own fucking movie, I would have done it, and I would have made the money from the ticket sales, not you. So that was a little frustrating. Um, but anyways, yeah, and he wrote the movie like a, a, a month and a half after his dad died, and he's like, I never got to have conversations and, you know, get answers from my dad, and I sort of want the audience to feel the same way, no answers. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not directly quoting, but it is pretty much what he said, how, you know, you don't get answers in life, and sometimes things are left unknown. It... Uh, it seemed particularly, you know, like lazy. Some people are making arguments for saying, no, it's the great, great idea for a movie where, you know, you don't always uh, get answers. And, you know, you, you know, you don't have to have everything spoon fed to you. I, got into, I, I haven't gotten to a discussion with someone on Facebook in a long time, but I got into one with someone today and. Um, and, I, and they basically just said, you know, hey, if you need to be spoon fed all the answers, then, you know, go see movies that are like that. And I and I can even say if, 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 if the trailer had said, go see a movie about survival, you know, something bad happens and you're surviving on your own in the elements and you don't know anything, you know, place it like a drama, like contagion, like outbreak, you know, like imagine that the movie The Martian was set up like it was Star Wars or Star Trek. You know, they showed a couple little scenes of things crashing and then build some overlay of, of, oh, my God, in space, things are blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Fuck, I'm, I'm not writing their goddamn movie for them. But the idea is they'd set it up like Star Wars or Star Trek, and then you go see it, right? Martian, I thought, was a good movie. But I'm saying that it's all, it's very science It's very story-driven, you know. Um, regardless of whether you enjoy it for what it is, you were sold the idea of something different. And this movie is, I would say, a lot more drama maybe i i couldn't i i feel very unfair saying suspense but um if if you're a horror fan like like crystal and i are and you went to see that movie because the horror like the the trailer shows you all these things that never get addressed and and quick little scenes from someone having a nightmare um yeah it's not that it isn't that um i actually the (laughs) this is sorry not to laugh at myself but M Night Shyamalan movies, or however you say his name, those movies—I uh, think Paul Verzi said very, very eloquently—is a an M Night Shyamalan movie keeps you hooked right up until the disappointment, which is exactly the way his movies are: great premises, stupid fucking endings. And this movie was more disappointing than an M Night Shyamalan movie because at least his movies explain what's going on, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. They can—I don't—I don't care about a cliffhanger ending. Or, you know, maybe something that leaves you thinking, well, maybe it could have been this, maybe it could have been that. Inception ended that way. The spinning top at the table and you have to sort of decide, you know, hey, is is he really dreaming or is he awake? Because we'll only know if that totem falls over and it just keeps spinning right at the end of the movie. So you don't really know if it was going to run out or not. Fine. But there was other things that you could interpret in that, which is that like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character doesn't even really matter whether he's awake or not or what have you. The point is, is that he's back at a place that makes him happy. So when he puts it down and it spins or whatever, it doesn't even matter to him whether or not he's dreaming or not. It's just, he's there. You know what I mean? So you can, you can interpret things. You can leave things open to interpretation, but to a certain extent, you got to tell some story. And in this movie, it's just like question, 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 the end, you decide the answers. And there's some people who are like, Oh no, I thought that was really good. And I'm like, did you? Did you really? You know, if you really just want a bunch of questions and no answers, read the fucking Bible. What? That was too spicy. No, I'm just saying. Anything like that, though, is you know, if you want to leave things open to interpretation, then then you don't have to go see a movie because you can just ask yourself some questions. Hey, what would it be like to survive on my own? Anyways, all over the map. It comes at night. Good acting. You are invested in what's going on. Like the first. You'll watch the movie, going, "What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? It's over. What the fuck was that? That's the movie. So, go see it if you feel like, <laughs> if you feel like feeling that way, do that. Go see that movie. Definitely, can miss it in theaters. There's nothing that the theater brings that that you couldn't watch at home. So, anyways, um, and that was my weekend. You know, Monday morning, back to the old ride share. Good times ride sharing. I do wanna, I wanna add one little point to, uh, general traffic courtesy. And I would encourage any of you, if you guys have any little tips or things for the road that help people out, let me know last week or the week before I was bitching about crossing guards. I, I happen to just see things when I'm driving and, uh, they come to mind and I throw them in my notes here and go, eh, maybe we'll talk about it. But one thing I want to say is, you know, when two cars come to an intersection at the same time, everybody knows the right of way. Everybody knows that. Um, the car i would fucking hope that everyone knows that the car at the rightmost area all right everyone's right is the same when it comes to an intersection the furthest car to the right okay goes first the right of way is a very easy way to remember that um when all four people are coming if all the intersection has all four people arrive at the exact same time all right it's the rule is whoever moves first however Sometimes you have an intersection. Two cars come at the same time. We're trying to be courteous, right? Who got there first? That kind of shit happens from time to time. Something I do, and my personal policy is, I like to let other people go first. I'm not usually in so much of a hurry. I can't be courteous to someone else, right? And 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 the whole Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Be be courteous. Hold the door. Let someone go before you show some some respect. Um, what I do, my personal policies. I wave people. I'll wave someone. All right. But my rule is, if I wave you, you go. Just like if you wave me, I go. Whoever waves first, that other person goes. What drives me fucking bananas, and I don't know about the rest of you motorists, and it's really annoying because I'll wave somebody and then they wave me. No, no, you go. It's like, no, fuck. Now, now neither one of us is going to go because we both waved, so we should go, but we also got told no, no, so then we both go to go at the same time. Now we got to stop and then we both go to go again because we saw each other. go, And it just creates that. Even like, you know, when you're walking down the sidewalk, you see someone, you both fake the same way and oh, fuck. How do we, it's that same awkwardness. So my personal policy to avoid that awkwardness is whoever waves first, the other person goes. So it happened to me the other day. I waved somebody and they go, no, no, you go. And I went, so I started to go because again, I don't want to. And as soon as I started to go, they decided, oh, they were going to accept my invitation, even though I went a second or two first to the wave. Anyways, that's a, a traffic behavior that really bugs me. Um, I also really don't like people who don't put their turn signal on. And I don't mean when you're changing lanes. I'm just saying just in general, um, the turn signal's not for you. It's for everybody else, right? To communicate what you're going to do. So it bothers me when people don't put their signals on. You know, changing lanes and shit like that, obviously that's now a, a, health, a safety thing. Sorry, a health thing. It's a safety thing. But, you know, if you're if you're slowing down traffic because you're going to turn in somewhere right Uh, on a street turning into a parking lot or something like that. And you're just slowing down like an idiot. Um, I'm going to freak out behind you. I'm going to lose my shit and go, what the fuck? Why are you driving so slow? And then all of a sudden you turn in somewhere. If you just put your fucking blinker on, I would know, okay, you're slowing down because you're getting ready to turn, you know, shit like that. If you're in a specific turn lane, you don't have to do that. Obviously, but there's just some general things that make being out in the road with each other easier and more, you know, livable. And I think one of them is just when we fucking communicate with each other, you know, use your signal. If I, you know, wave you through, fucking go. If you wave me through, I'll go. Let's not act like, you know, people bumping into each other. Again, these are the things that bother me. I don't have real problems. So, um, I do. <laughs> one of the weird things about ride sharing this is just a stupid story, but it happened the other day, not long after I put this in. So I thought I'd share it. Um, I, I have to tear myself out of bed in the morning to go ride share. The money can be pretty good. You know, I, I make sometimes about, you know, anywhere between 15 and $20 an hour doing it for sitting on my ass in the car. Um, I like to get a good night's sleep cause I am responsible for someone else's life when I'm on the road. But, uh, you know. Sometimes I can't. So <laughs> not that I can't. Yeah, sometimes I can't get enough sleep, in which case I will not drive on that day if I feel tired in the morning. But when I get enough sleep, it is still very difficult for me to get up in the morning. I have to tear myself out of bed. And uh, and so what I do in the mornings is I will typically get out of bed, get dressed as fast as possible, get out in the car and drive and get a coffee. That's, that's what I will do. Um, the problem with doing that is that um, when I wake up in the morning, I will usually have my morning pee, and, uh, then get dressed and get out in the car. Problem is though, that there is two things that you can do in the washroom in the morning. And one of them doesn't usually happen to me until about 20, 25 minutes after I'm awake. That's right. I'm an old man. I'm regular now. Um, so what happens to me is I'll be out ride sharing and then all of a sudden I'll be, you know, maybe on the Queensway or something like that, the highway here in Ottawa and, then I will have to go. And I don't know if it's part of getting older or just the fact that I've destroyed my body, but when I have to go to the bathroom now, I don't get subtle warnings. I don't get a five minute or 10 minute clock before it becomes difficult and uncomfortable. I am told by my body, hey, stop everything. It's time. And when I'm, what happens to me, I'm stuck in morning rush hour traffic or something like that. So the other day, I was driving. And I received the notification, and I was in a significant amount of pain immediately. And the problem was I was on the uh, the highway, you know, merging in and out of traffic like everyone else is at that time of day. And, uh, and I had a truck. Um, I just did all these, like a big 18-wheeler on one side of me. I had a bus in front of me just when I was feeling all these pains. And I was like, oh, for the love of God, like I would really hate to get into an accident right now. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> just... It would be a terrible thing, uh, you know. I feel like like I would I would lose control just during during the fear of the moment, and uh, and and you know lose control of my my bowels, and uh, and then I was just thinking to myself, it'd be so funny if they found me in the car crash and be like, oh my God, look at look at all of this mess. He clearly died in the crash, and then of course voided his bowels as corpses do, um, and I was like, the, my last my last work on this earth if I died in a car crash you know, because I shit myself and lost control This is disgusting. I'm so sorry. Would be to write a note if possible. Just my dying note would be, I'll have, you know, I shit myself before the accident. (laughs) My last joke to the world be like, don't you dare give death the credit. I, I, this accident was caused because I shit myself. So there you go. These are the stupid things I think about with no sleep, one coffee, a lot of fatigue in the morning. And of course with strangers in my car. Um, so I'm going to uh, I'm gonna talk about the the second portion. Uh some of the stuff that I have after we're gonna do the uh you know the sponsors real quick first, of course. Um so yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna mention one more time. So so far with some of the stuff I've shared, the the movie things that I've done. That was my my weekend and the beginning of my week so far. Um I also uh I'll I'll share with you something from the tail end of the week and I'm gonna do that after we do the the sponsors. But uh yeah, if you guys ever want to share your stuff with me, right? Your goals, your your funny stories, goofy shit. I had two great stories that were told to me last night at Open Mic Mondays. And uh I, I begged the people who told me I said please write that in. that is a hysterical story. I, I will read it on the podcast. But I, I need you to I need you to send it to me so that we can share it. Um but yeah, so guys, contact at onemanpodcast.com. Anything. I don't care what you want to talk about you know, send me your bucket list, send me your, your morning fucking routine. If there's any goofy things, tell me a movie that you watched lately. You know what I mean? I don't care. Just, uh, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of interaction with you guys every week. I do appreciate it. I got a couple emails this week. I'll read a little later on. Um, so let's start with, uh, you know, what's starting to become, uh, you know, a favorite from some people, uh, they've, they messaged me on Facebook or send me uh, you know, a, 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 text message saying that they enjoy these so as always my first sponsor from portablepress.com if you're looking to pick some up is the uh, uncle john's bathroom readers very excited as always to have these on oh it's funny i should have played that earlier when talking about my traffic story um this edition is from uh this edition that i'm reading from this week is is weird weird world that's what it's called it's a hardback uh illustrated edition of uncle john's bathroom reader called weird weird world who what when where and wow uh, and the article that I decided to read for you guys this week is an article called Strange Animal Lawsuits. Okay, so getting into this right away. In the Middle Ages, it was not unusual for animals to be put on trial as if they could understand human laws. These laws were serious affairs. So the first story is the paint the, the plaintiff, vineyard growers in St. Julian, France. The defendants, weevils. The lawsuit In 1545, angry growers testified to a judge that the weevils were eating and destroying their crops. According to reports, legal indictments were drawn and the insects were actually defended in court. The verdict, since the weevils were obviously eating the crops, they were found guilty. In 1546, a proclamation was issued by the judge demanding the weevils desist, and amazingly, they did. The farmers weren't bothered by weevils again until 1587. Once more, the insects were put on trial. However, the outcome is unknown. I I think that's hysterical, it, just in the sense that they were... <laughs> Desist. And then it just stopped. Obviously, that the expectations were ridiculous. But uh, for it to actually have worked, hey, maybe that's why they did it. Uh, next story, the plaintiff, the people of Mayenne, France. France. The defendants, mosquitoes. In the 1200s, a swarm of mosquitoes were indicted as a public nuisance by the people of the town. When the bugs failed to answer the summons, the court appointed a lawyer to act on their behalf. The verdict, the lawyer did such a good job pleading their case that the court court took pity. The judge banished them but gave them a patch of real estate outside of town where they would be allowed to swarm in peace forever. And that was France, guys, in the 1200s. I'm not going to lie. They really haven't come far... <laughs> I'm just joking. They haven't come far since. The surrender people. They're like, the mosquitoes they're coming. Okay, well, let's give them some land and uh, maybe they leave us alone. They keep it forever. Um, story number three, the plaintiffs, barley growers in Autun, France. I'm starting... Oh, St. Julian, France, uh, Mayenne, France, and now Third France story, where they're taking insects to court. Okay. So barley growers in Autun, France, the defendants, Rats. The lawsuit in 1510, the rodents were charged with burglary, having eaten and destroyed the barley crop. A young lawyer named Bartholomew de Chassenay was appointed to defend them. When the rats failed to appear in court, Chassenay successfully argued that since the case involved all the rats of the diocese, the area under the jurisdiction of the of one bishop, under parentheses, uh, all of them should be summoned. So the rats, all of them should be summoned. Um... When the rats failed to appear again, Chassanet argued that it was because they were scared of evilly disposed cats, which were in constant watch along the highways. Since by law, the rats were entitled to protection to and from court, the plaintiffs should be required to post a bond uh, that would be forfeited if the cats attacked the rats on their way to court. The verdict, unknown, but the public the, the publicity gave Chassanet the reputation as one of france's greatest lawyers and i i would say rightly so if you're basically saying that he basically got two retrials done because it's like yeah well the, the the rats the rats didn't show up well that's because we need all of them here and then you know when all of them didn't show up well it's because they're afraid of the cats good arguing that's uh, that's how law works it's not really whether you're innocent or guilty it's how good is your lawyer Uh, Story number three, the plaintiff, the city of Basel, Switzerland, finally a different one, the defendant, a rooster in 1474, the rooster was accused of being or helping a sorcerer. Okay. The reason, according to the prosecutor, uh, it had laid eggs. And as everyone knows, an egg laid by a rooster is a prize by sorcerers. Weird. I didn't know that. Um, On top of that, it was shown that Satan employed witches to hatch such eggs from which proceeded winged or sorry, which. No, which preceded is correct. Uh, from which preceded winged serpents most dangerous to mankind. That is fucking weird. The rooster's lawyer <laughs> admitted it had laid an egg, but contended that no injury to man or beast had been resulted. Um, and besides, laying an egg is an involuntary act, he said, so the law shouldn't punish it. The verdict, the judge refused to allow the lawyer's argument and declared the rooster guilty of sorcery. <laughs> Both the unfortunate fowl and the egg it had allegedly laid were burned at the stake. You've gotta be fucking kidding me. Burned at the stake. I I would kill for an Instagram picture of that chicken tied to a stake being burned for heresy. I love these books. Where else are you gonna get shit like this? Uh, the plaintiffs? Okay, so the last story. Uh the plaintiffs, the grand Vic Vicar of of Valerant of sorry, Valence, France again the defendants caterpillars inhabiting his uh, diocese Uh, the lawsuit in 1584 the grand vacar excommunicated the insects for causing destruction of crops uh, and ordered them to appear before him when they didn't appear a lawyer was appointed to defend them the lawyer argued his case but lost the caterpillars were banished from the diocese when the caterpillars failed to leave, the trial continued until the short-lived caterpillars died off. The Viker was then credited with having miraculously exterminated them. Okay, well, good for them. Uh, there's a little bottom section here with two other little things called uh, Bizarre Beasties. Same page, so we'll read those too. These are two little stories about some odd animals. Uh, one of them is called Short Order Cook. Kanzi is a 31-year-old bonobo, a pygmy chimpanzee, uh, who lives at the Great Ape Trust in Des Moines, Iowa. Under the tutelage of Dr. Sue Savage-Romba, the primate can understand 3,000 words and say, in brackets, or sorry, in uh, quotes, 500 by pointing at symbols. So, it can understand 3,000 words and say 500 words by pointing at symbols. But Kanzi's most amazing ability is that he cooks his own food. It started when he was young, said Savage Romba. Kanzi used to watch the film Quest for Fire about early man struggling to control fire. He watched it spellbound over and over. Then she taught the bonobo how to light a match. Now, with human supervision, Kanzi can pan fry his own hamburgers and roast marshmallows on a stick. Interesting. And uh, and last little story we've got here. Uh, Beauties on the cat uh, Quack walk, walk. Sorry, Beauties on the Quack Walk. The duck fashion show is exactly what it sounds like. Ducks wear fancy outfits, including little hats, and waddle up and down a catwalk to the delight of onlookers. Duck handler Brian Harrington has dressed up his Pied Piper ducks since the 1980s. He takes them to our agricultural fairs throughout Australia, where the not-so-ugly ducklings show off the latest quack fashions, including evening wear, bridal wear, and off to the races, they're always a big hit. So I, I can't show you obviously in an audio version, the picture of these fucking ducks dressed up on the page, but I did snap a picture and put it on Instagram. So one man podcast Instagram has a picture of three ducks dressed to the nines so I uh, I definitely say jump on Instagram and take a look at that picture it's fucking hysterical and that is the Bizarre Beasties section and finally at the, the bottom of all of these Uncle John's things there's a tiny little one sentence piece of information trivia for you and what this one is kids as young as seven can join the society of American magicians so not very select group so that is this week's edition of Uncle John's Bathroom Readers thank you so much as always to my sponsors PortablePress.com if you guys are interested Interested in that book or any of the other ones that uh, they have available they have an extensive uh, list of books with tons and tons of trivia there's hundreds of stories like that in each uh, book and of course they, they range all different things just goofy little pieces of trivia so uh, so portablepress.com if you want to check any of that stuff out um, I did mention off the top of the show this week guys that I do have a new sponsor uh, as of this morning I got off the phone with uh, with the rep from Summersby. And uh, and they are the new sponsor, so yay! Clap, 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 clap. Uh, they will be partnering with us, uh, guests of the One Man Podcast, and of course, just me when I'm hanging out, will be able to enjoy Summersby cider. I I that is my drink of choice. That's what the, the lady and I were drinking when we recorded her episode last week. Uh, we like Summersby a lot. It's uh, it's a cider with a bunch of different flavors that they have available. Um, they also carry their, their Carlsberg, I believe is the parent company. So they've got a, pun, a bunch of different, uh, you know, beers available, but I really enjoy the Summersby cider. Um, obviously the apple cider is their main one. I, I used to try Strongbow, not to plug another company, but I'm not going to say anything nice about them. Uh, I used to try Strongbow, which was the first cider I remember being on the market and it just tasted like really gross, flat. I, I don't even know what to say. It tasted like apple cider vinegar, not apple cider in a sweet way. So I had a Strongbow recently. You know, in the last few months, I was at a show, and, and they had Strongbow available. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take a Strongbow because I've been really enjoying Summersby, And uh, I felt really regretful the, the second I started drinking that. So, um If your only experience with cider is Strongbow, and you found it as repulsive as I did, um, definitely try Summersby. They've got a bunch of different flavors available. They have an apple cider. Uh, They're all ciders, but they have an apple. They have a pear, uh, the blackberry is spectacular, one of my favorites, a citrus. And last year they launched the uh, elderflower lime, which was their newest flavor. They actually have a new flavor coming out very shortly. Uh, The rep told me about this morning, I'm very excited to try. Um, and of course, a lot of other lineups and stuff like that. So look forward to, uh, to our new partnership with Summersby. So if you happen to be a big guest on the one man podcast, uh, they'll have some swag and stuff like that. Maybe later on this year, uh, for prizes and, and things that we can give away some of you guys listening, but, uh, thank you so much Summersby, for, uh, for partnering with us. Being on board, I like it when something that I actually truly enjoy decides to uh, to partner up with me on a project. In this case, it's the One Man Podcast. So thank you Summersby. And uh, speaking of Summersby and sponsors, uh, Summersby is available at uh, all locations of my next sponsor, which is of course, as always, Absolute Comedy. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America, with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just For Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And uh, coming up this month, or I shouldn't say this month, we're in June, coming up next month... Is absolute comedies prove you're a comic competition. Now, I'll talk more about that next week uh, on the episode featuring Jason Lawrence. Jason Lawrence is the owner of all three absolute comedy clubs. Uh, he's a a big reason um, that I've I've been uh, been able to move as fast through my comedy career as I have. Uh, a lot of other people to thank for that as well. But of course, you know, being close with the person who who runs the the the, the best club in the city that you work with is certainly never a, a bad thing to have. Um, So I'll be talking with Jason next week about what it is, you know, just any, like I said, any questions anybody wants to ask about, about comedy and a comedy club owner, you know, an episode, I think the first episode, someone asked why there isn't more comedy clubs. Um, If there's any questions that people want to ask like that of Jason, um, please contact the one man podcast, Uh, any amateur comedians or anyone who's interested in the business of comedy wants any tips, tricks, suggestions, whatever it is that you would want to ask ask Jason has been a comedian for for a very very long time you know 20 plus years uh used to be involved with the other club decided hey I can do it better started his own and now does so um that's yeah it's I'm excited to have Jason next week we're gonna be talking with him um and we'll we'll get more into that uh that competition but it's basically the prove your comic competition is something that Jason and I created uh some years ago and uh and yeah, it's it's grown. There's been some great, uh, great comics who have won that and, and moved forward. It's a great opportunity for someone to go, oh, okay, I've only performed at a few open mics and winning this competition means you get to perform at all three absolute comedy clubs, win some, some money, get a credit that sort of perpetuates you forward. Um, perpetuates, is that a thing? Propels you forward. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have him next week. Um, I also have coming up, uh, at the end of the month or at the very beginning of the next month is the SiriusXM XM Canada day show. So myself and Jim McNally will be co-headlining that. Uh, it's hosted by Nick Burden featuring, uh, Kamara Babar and Heather Hurster on that as well. Um, and as I've mentioned uh, a few times before, if anyone is interested in some tickets to that, I will be giving away some tickets. So again, send me an email. Let me know you're interested in tickets to the Canada day show. It is at 2 PM in the afternoon. Um, I'll also be in, uh, in Montreal that same week. So I'm actually driving back and forth to do that show between Montreal. So if anyone's interested in something fun to do during the day, the Sirius XM Canada Day show at Absolute Comedy is happening at 2 p.m. on July 1st before all of the insanity of downtown begins. So it does not take you away from any of the other festivities to see that show. Let me know if you're interested. Um, one of the things that I, I was, like I said, guys, I really felt like I was stalling uh, all day doing this podcast is because the, the most important thing that I want to talk to you about, um, I'm going to share now. I feel like, I feel like I see that I'm at 49 minutes right now into the podcast and I feel like this is going to take a while to explain it. I won't be able to wrap it up in 10 minutes. In fact, part of me is concerned that I can do an entire podcast on just this. So, um, I'm going to start cause I don't know where it's going to end. I haven't written notes um what I'm going to talk about is very important to me um so yeah let's let's feel it out and uh if I feel like it's just going so long I feel like I have a long story to tell um it's very personal yeah and I'm wasting so much time just trying to build it up I guess I'm just trying to play in my head right now with whether or not we should get all into it or or maybe even just save it for another episode I mean it can't be next week we got Jason on so let's um let's just dive in. Um, I, uh, I went back to the the gym. I, I went and I saw a friend of mine there who, uh, who definitely hooked me up with a, a good deal on a membership. And, uh, I, uh, I've decided it's time to start taking better care of myself again. Um, weighed in this morning, 316 pounds. So to start, that's what I weigh right now. 316 pounds. And that's not good for a multitude of reasons, health, everything like that. Nothing is lost on me. Um, uh, when I went back, my friend uh, insisted that I speak with one of the personal trainers. And I said, okay, I told him I really wasn't interested in personal training right now. I'm not trying to build muscle or anything like that. I'm really not. I just like to, to lose a lot of the uh, the extra weight that I've got right now. But uh, he insisted that I go and I have this consultation to maybe just help point me in the direc- right direction. So I, I agreed. I went on, uh, I went and spoke to this guy and this guy, his, he's a personal trainer. His job, his business is selling personal training. Personal training is incredibly uh, expensive. You know what I mean? It's like buying a book on how to, and you know, you can just go on YouTube, right? It's like that kind of thing. Only the book is 400 bucks, you know, and the YouTube video is free. It's almost like, you know, if a book was anyway, whatever the point is, is it's not even close. The things that these people tell you, with a little bit of research, you could do it yourself. I've bought some books on on stuff for the gym. I'm gonna try to teach myself. But I know for now, I need to get active. That's that's my problem right now. I need to get active, even just walking and stuff like that. So I'm sharing this with you guys because I'm already. I have not been back to the gym since Friday when I was there. I could say the same thing that everyone else says that I'm busy, but I've definitely made choices to do other things um, versus going to the gym. But that's part of one of the things I want to talk to you guys about. So I, I sat and I talked to this guy. He was the whole like, okay, so uh, wh- why why do you want to join the gym? You know, uh, you know. I said, I, well, I, I want to be healthy. I don't want to be. You know, what does being healthy mean to you? And I'm like, dude, if we we're gonna talk like this, I I need to. We need to be real. You know. I'm like, listen, I have no problem talking to you. I appreciate your time, but I can't have a conversation where this is like a cultural thing to me. It's not important. If it had been important, I wouldn't be in this this position that I'm in now. So. You know, like stop, stop talking. I go. Do you talk to your friends at this when you go out? Uh, hey guys, should we order some beers? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, what, uh, what kind of beer do you want? Oh, I don't know. Something tastes. Well, what is, what is in a beer that you would look for? You know, what are you looking for in an app? You know, in a, in your optimal happy hour, what would you look, what would you see on that man? Dude, just fucking talk to me. Being healthy means not being winded going up a flight of stairs. You know what I mean? Being able to see my fucking dick. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? like let's not act like this I'm I'm clearly a large fucking dude okay so being healthy I want to be around to see the kids get older I want to you know if I get married to the lady someday I want to look good in the fucking pictures that's that kind of thing you know I want I just want to be around you know so we did this thing he steps steps me on this uh he goes well let's you want, you want to get your your measurement we'll find out what percent body fat you are and and whenever I'm in these situations I'm always fucking a little cheeky because like, well, of course not. Do I want to know exactly how much body fat I have? No. It's not going to be a number that, that's going to make me feel good. I'm already aware. You know what I mean? Like, I, I joke all the time that I don't keep scales in my house. I treat I treat them like Ouija boards, you know? I don't want it in my house. Um, <laughs> but So, I get on this thing, and this fucking machine, I have it in a folder somewhere, uh, tells me I'm 73% body fat. 73. A quarter of me is everything else. Flesh, organs, bones. I am 70 70 fucking 3% body fat. Which and the, and you know how it told me this? It went on my feet. I I put I stood on this thing and it tells me exactly how much body fat I have based on my feet. I pretty sure that this machine they fucking, you know, they grease it up with fucking Crisco or whatever in the mornings. They just rub it onto the metal pallets and this thing's like, "Yeah, it's all fat." It's fucking gre- greasy. How does, how do you know through your feet, what percent of body fat you have? Right. Anyways. So I was immediately like, yeah, that's, that sounds too high. I even asked other people what they thought and I go, you don't have to pull punches on me. And some, I think one person was like, I don't know, dude, you're pretty fucking fat. Like, I don't know, like 48%. And I was like, yeah, 73 killing it. I'm, I'm, I'm a walking, a fucking popsicle, popsicle stick. And then a bunch of fucking ice cream on top of it. That's it. Um, so I'm like, okay, yeah, that's got to change. That's got to change. I, uh, that's why I'm telling you guys about my, my gym thing. I'm, I'm back in the gym. I'm going to tell you guys when I go and when I don't, I'll just make it a brief little check-in in in regards to that. So, um, yeah. And if I don't go, if I go an entire week and don't go to the gym, I will tell you that. And after a while, if the weight's not coming down and I'm constantly not going to the gym, uh, you know, you guys, uh, I'm not saying it's your job, but I'm just saying, I'll let you know, I'll tell you the truth. And after a while, it's going to get pretty fucking embarrassing uh, for every week to be like, hey, still not losing weight, still not losing weight, but um, the the story that I want to tell you guys, and we're at the fifty five minute mark now, is that I uh, I'll, I'll try to make this short. Maybe if anyone wants to know more about it, I I've I've I know why I've gotten to this point um, in terms of my size, um. Like uh, about 10 years ago, actually a little longer than that, if I, if I think about it realistically, but at least a decade, we're going to go with at least a decade ago. I, um, I got this, uh, this pain in my testicle. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just laughing because I'm trying to imagine you guys going, what the fuck is he setting us up for this? This is God's honest truth. And, and some of some people close to me have known for surprisingly not that long. But I had a, a pain in my testicle. Um, it would hurt to the touch if I moved or whatever. There was this, just this horrible... It, like, it felt like someone was flicking me in the balls just to even touch anywhere near it. Um, you know, but if, I, if I was sitting with restless leg syndrome or whatever, my leg was shaking, it would feel like someone was flicking me in the balls or something. And um, and it scared me. Um, and the reason being is, and this is the big sort of admit, and I guess you know, I would tell someone in a conversation if it, if it went that way, you know, but um, f- my biggest fear in life is death. Um, I, I, I've been afraid of death ever since I was a, a little kid. Um, it's, it, it, it's the whole thing of death scares me. And whenever I say that to someone, I always get the whole, well, you know, death is just a part of life and, and all those things. But, but I have like, like an anxiety fear. Of of death, um, I I can't go to sleep at night with no music or or TV or something on in the background because my thoughts will will go to dark places. I will think about my own mortality and the human condition and things like that, and it will scare the shit out of me. So I hear a buzzing noise in the background. I would imagine someone's fucking weed-whacking or something outside so i really hope it doesn't make it to the final cut. And of course, at a great moment to derail that, but i have a a very big fear of death. Sorry, I'm stomping on the floor hoping to get the idea that i'm recording. <laughs> Sorry guys. It's live uh, live recording here. Um so basically um yeah, i mean I, I have a fear of death. I I will I will i have to basically distract myself from that thought because i will have a fight or flight response in my body. My body will ad- Will release adrenaline. I've actually been, if I'm laying in bed thinking, about it, I'm like, and I will shoot up. Um, I can't move that fast if I want to, but my body will shoot, uh, shoot adrenaline <laughs> into me like I'm being attacked. That's how much the the, the thought of my mortality and everything uh, scares me. And um, when I first got this pain, I was terrified. I was terrified that it was something like testicular cancer or something. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I've made a lot of stupid choices in my life, and one of the things that I did at the time was like I didn't want to know, um, and that that doesn't make sense to a lot of people because obviously you know, and talking about people afterwards, like yeah, but if you have it, then you know they catch it, they can they can fix it, and I'm like yeah, but sometimes it's too late, and I don't know if this is gonna make sense to you guys. I'm just telling you where my head was at at the time for someone who. Is afraid, and I'm still 35 years later. When I was young, I used to hope that I would outgrow my fear of death and find some sort of comfort in it, and I haven't. Um, I've I've had discussions with people about religion where I've said that I I am not religious, but I'm envious of people who are, um, because they they have a comfort, you know, in uh, in the afterlife and things like that. I'm trying to talk to you guys about it without actually letting my mind go too deep into it because I will actually believe it or not, I will get freaked out and have to stop talking about it. Um, but, uh, but that thought terrifies me. And, um, and I remember when I first started having these pains, um, I didn't, I didn't want to know because, you know, you hear about, you know, you hear about people go in and they get the tests and all of a sudden there's like, there's that scene from Breaking Bad or whatever it is. Um. I actually, I told you guys, I think that a long time, I mean, or maybe you haven't, but I didn't watch Breaking Bad for a long time, even though it was a great show, is was because it was about a guy who was dying of cancer, and just that thought in my head, while I had this this pain going on, I was like, I don't I don't want to know about that, I don't want to think about it. I used to have to turn off the Our Lady Peace song, because the guy goes, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. wish he'd never heard of cancer, like, just hearing that fucking word in my head was a huge buzz, I scared, like, would just make me think of that, so I guess I've, I've said a few things and haven't really addressed it, but... I had this pain and I didn't want to know. I didn't want to get it checked because this this was my logic, which is flawed, I know. But in my head, I was going, if I go to the hospital, they check me and they tell me that I have cancer. Um, you know, oh, you have you have six months or whatever it is, um, you know, some people are like, well, maybe they can fix it. But I was like, you know what, if I, if I do have cancer right now and... I go and someone tells me, oh, you have six months to live. I go, I'm not going to live for six months. I'm not going to keep being myself. I'm going to, because of my fears and everything, I'm going to go into a depression and I'm going to be done. I, my, my happy-go-lucky nature, all that stuff is going to exit out of me. And this is before I had ever dreamed of being a comic. This was just, you know, just happy, funny Josh. Um, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop being me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to be depressed. And, and and people who know me closely know that when I get, you know, depressed, I can be pretty fucking negative. Like, it doesn't come back. And so I'm like, you know, you tell me I got six months to live. I'm not going to live for six months. I'm going to stop living now. I'm going to stop being me and I'm going to just exist for those six months. And maybe that happens to some people. But I thought in my head, my logic was, but if I don't know, if I'm going to die in six months, I'd rather keep living on the hope that I that I don't have it. Right. As soon as you tell me that's the death sentence, but let me just live and be me, which I know doesn't make sense, but it made sense to me at the time that hope, right? We all know people can do things with hope. So I, uh, I had this pain and I, I, uh, I ignored it. I ignored it. I learned how to, to live with it not do things that caused me pain in my testicles. <laughs> I, uh, I started at times Um, well here, I'll, I'll move into the next part as quickly as I can. Uh, a year or so later, I found a lump on my left side. Um, it was, it's still there. It's on my left, my left side, right in the middle between my hip and my rib cage. And it's just a lump right in the middle of a lot of muscles. It causes me pain on an almost daily basis. Um, but it started as just a little lump and I didn't get it. It felt like this tiny little, just a small little tightness. And at this point, just for the record, even after, I I can't remember if it was like six months or a year or how long after the pain in my testicle, but I got this lump on my side. And at this point I was already very comfortable with telling no one that I had these pains because I was worried someone would force me to have that hospital visit. Right. So I didn't tell anybody. Um, I, uh, I just just went on with my life with my pain. I found this lump, and uh, and it scared. When I found the lump, it scared the shit out of me because I thought it was directly. And I still actually believe it or not. And I can get into it maybe maybe today or, or no other time or what have you. But I still actually believe now that there's there's a connection between the two. Of them. I feel like there's. I'll, I'll tell you that later, but the, the time for it in the story. Um, this lump on my side. I thought was directly related to it. And I was still like, nope, don't find, don't, don't do anything with this. Don't, don't get it looked at. Don't get it because this is definitely, this is going to corroborate what you thought. So again, as long as there's a chance that it's not, I get to keep being me. I get to keep being funny. And I found this lump. um, And I thought of this today and I've never thought of this before. It may or may not be connected, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, I found... The Lump, I think, the same year I started stand-up comedy. And uh, I tell the story about how I never wanted to be a stand-up comic, and the truth is I didn't ever want to be a stand-up comic. My friends and I, I remember I was working at TELUS. uh, This Lump was on my side, and I was really enjoying to go see the comedy shows with my friends. Um, We would go to, uh, I would see the show at Absolute, and I would see the show at Yuck Yucks every week. But because it's the same show every week, I, uh sorry guys i'm just putting all my thoughts together um i could only see two shows that were different in a week you know i could see the the absolute show and then i could see the show but if i went again it would be the same the same headliners and then we started going on wednesday nights because wednesday at both yuck yucks and absolute comedy is amateur night so it's a different show you're seeing different people than who you're seeing on the weekends and i thought that was fun so i got to go see these three shows and i'll be honest with you Um, Really hating my job at TELUS because it was unfulfilling. And at the same time struggling with this fear that I had every single day. This was not something I thought about once in a while. This was pain I had all the time. And I was terrified that this was going to kill me. Um, Like I said, in thinking of this today in the timeline and telling you guys about it, I think that's really why I started stand-up. My friends were encouraging me to do it um, because they were like, Oh, you know, you're funnier than some of these amateurs that we see. But... I think part of me was trying to prepare myself for the idea that I was, I was, I had something that was going to kill me. And I didn't want to uh, finish living my life with a shitty job and never accomplishing anything that I felt value in. Um, I, I can't believe I haven't thought of this sooner, but I think that's really why I started stand up. When people ask me, why did you start stand up? I told them I didn't really a lot of a lot of other guys' stories are I always knew I want to be a comic I didn't. I just knew I wasn't happy and I thought I was gonna die. And I didn't wanna I didn't wanna die as a fucking cell phone salesman. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that when people pushed me in that direction I said, Fine. And uh, you know, if I had gotten it looked at and they told me what it turns out to be now, and I'll share that with you shortly. Um, maybe I never would have started stand-up comedy. Maybe I would have just continued to be like everybody else. Uh, sorry. I mean, everybody else in the sense that, you know, um, you don't chase a dream unless, you know, you're faced with the fucking thing. But to me, in my head, the, it was a very real possibility that I had something that I can, I'm sorry, I'm talking in circles, but I just, I've never, this is, uh, you know, an epiphany for me. So, because I've heard stories about, right? We've all heard stories about people who get diagnosed with the end and then they fucking, they do what they never wanted, what they never took a chance on, right? So, like, hey, fuck, maybe if I hadn't been a fucking idiot and not gotten this looked at, or sorry, you know, if you know, and gotten it looked at, someone would say, hey, you're fine. You're just being a pussy, you know? And I would have just kept working at TELUS, making my money, and, uh, and going from there, you know? But instead, I thought I was going to fucking die. I really appreciate the vacuuming right outside the door, by the way, in this heartfelt moment. That would probably be Jason, too. I'm going to make him accountable for this on the next show. So, uh, yeah, maybe I never would have done it, guys, if I hadn't been such a fucking pussy and afraid I was going to die. So, um, yeah, I... uh, That same period of time with all the pain and and stuff in my testicles and and the the lump on my side, I actually uh, lost a lot of hygiene practices which sounds you know I mean I mean just being totally honest with you I didn't like I didn't like showering showering was too intimate with my own body if I was trying to wash you know the downstairs part I would feel the pain every time just scrubbing my washing my legs or my air it would it would hurt um, and it would ma- it would force me that pain and being there intimate with your body right nothing else going on it forced me to think about all that shit and scared the shit out of me uh, so I, I was very, I don't want to say very unhinged. I mean, we're talking like I would shower once every like four or five days, which is gross. Especially for a guy, who wasn't as big as I am now, but for a guy who was a little overweight. Yeah, that's not, uh, not the greatest, especially in sales. Uh, not proud, but it's the truth. And, uh, part of this podcast is me telling you the truth about who I am, right? Is, is letting you guys in and trying to, you know, own who I am. Um, and that was a scary time. I started, I, I started doing up comedy the pain stayed in my testicles and uh the lump in my side stayed there and that was it was scaring me for a while again remember in in stand-up comedy just part of what was driving me was thinking like any any day now something's gonna happen and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna end up getting you know sick or or something's gonna happen to me and i'm gonna end up you know in a hospital and that's when i'm gonna get the news but i'm gonna at least i'm gonna get it months after i would have gotten it Or, or at this point think I was like two years in, I was like, I'm going to find out later because I I didn't know anything about cancer. And again, the fear of it, I wasn't doing any research. Self-diagnosing is the the stupidest thing possible. And I couldn't really look into it or or go to the hospital without people, you know, like I said, pushing me to get something checked. Nobody knew I was a couple years, you know, a year or so into stand up. Um, and I think when Crystal and I started dating and we were getting serious, that was the first time where I had to think to myself, like, okay, now, now I want to have a relationship with somebody Am I putting them in a position with someone that, you know, could be dying? Now, this is over the course of like, you know, this is three or some years after I'm, I'm playing with these ideas. So part of me at this point was starting to think, I I don't have cancer. If I had cancer, it probably would have killed me by now. But I still didn't know what it was. And I always said, you know, I would, I would roundabout way, ask people questions about it and stuff like that. And some people told me, oh, you know, you can have cancer and it can stay dormant for a while. Some people take some years to go from it and, you know, positivity, uh, you know, a lot of people get positive and they beat cancer. And I was, I was honestly, I was having the time of my life doing stand up because the first time in my life I was happy. So there was that thing in the back of my head going, well, maybe I'm just doing okay because I'm loving my life for the first time in, in, you know, 30 years. So I always had it back in the back of my head, but I, I was trying not to be selfish. I didn't want the person that I I, I loved and that I was with, um, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to just kill one day. And and turns out, you know, I had cancer. All these things, and some doctors like the size of this thing in his side. There's no way he didn't know it was there. Did you know? He didn't tell you. Like I didn't. I don't know. I didn't fucking know. And I didn't like to think about it because it scared me. But while these years are going by. I'm paying less and less attention to my physical condition. I'm depressed, I'm afraid, I'm eating, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not doing exercise, you know, taking good care of my body. I was focused on the things that were making me feel good, which was stand-up comedy and drinking every day. So I would I would write my jokes, I would immerse myself in stand-up, drink coffees all morning, drink beers all night. You know what I mean? Just really letting myself go and having the time. i pretty much living every day for the moment, to be honest with you. But, uh, but then I didn't die. I got into a relationship with the one who I love very much. And then it started to become time to, all right, well, let's get this checked. And that was the scariest day of my life when I went to, I didn't have a general you know, practitioner. I didn't have a GP doctor, still don't. Um, but I had the, I had apple tree medical and, uh, that's the walk-in clinics here in Ottawa. And I, uh, I went to one, I got an appointment for an ultrasound um, and they, they checked my, my testicles and all that area around it and found that there was absolutely, even the, the technician, cause I'm like, I don't even like when she was there. I didn't, I didn't want them to go mm, like no noise at all. That could make me think something negative was going to happen or be, or be said, and uh, the woman was like, Oh, I don't. I told her, I'm like, I'm afraid I, I, have, I have testicular cancer or something. And she goes, No, nothing I see on here leads me to think cancer for half a second. I'm not supposed to say anything, but I, I think you're okay. And I said, Well, thank you very much. And it turned out, Nope, no cancer or anything like that. And they found nothing wrong with me, um, which is still part of the story. I, uh, I proceeded to get more ultrasounds for the lump in my side. I found a, a doctor who would take me on, who sucked. I won't say her name, but she didn't give a fuck about the pain that I have in my side. The, the lump in my side has gotten significantly more detrimental to my physical health. I don't know if it's because I favor my left side because of the pain there, but I, uh, I have a, an extreme tightness on my left side. Um, so if you if you see me, I'll, I'll constantly be sifting in sh- or sorry shifting in my chair um, tightening and untightening my side, just sort of stretching. Some people are like, are you farting? I go, "No, I'm just, I'm stretching my side. I've got a, a pain there. Um, so I, I, um, yeah. And for years, like I said, I mean, I, I, I sit on wait lists to get something checked. They have sent me for, I've asked them to do an MRI because I feel like something's ripped in there. We have found out that what is in my side is a lump called a lymphoma, which, uh, I didn't know. It sounds like lymphoma, which I know is I think a kind of cancer or something, but, um, it's basically just a fat, a big chunk of uh, like a like a cyst or whatever in my side but it's right in in a bunch of muscle groups so it causes me a lot of pain the doctor i was seeing is like okay look it's not cancer so you know i don't want to hear you talking about this lymphoma again when i come and go well okay great it's not cancer but it hurts it's affecting my life i can't do certain twists and pivots because of that that pain there i go i can't live like this so she didn't give a fuck i've i've stopped going to her i need to find a gp who will study she sent me for x-rays uh ultrasounds and i kept begging for an mri i go those things can't see the muscle you're sending me for bones you're sending me for soft tissues send me for for muscle you know put me on a list. i'll wait a year and a half but at least let's move something forward and uh so anyways um you know an hour and 15 minutes in this podcast i'm going to try to wrap up uh what i'm getting at here and that's that um i'm going back to the gym now i have since learned too that i have a hernia i found an apple tree medical doctor who used to work uh you know, have his own practice in Cornwall, but now he's working out of a hospital most of the week here in Ottawa, and he actually just this year, just this year, right? I've had this pain in my testicles for over 10 years, and just this year, this doctor, um, when I told him the pain in my testicle, just talking and passing about something different, he had said, well, what did you get checked for? So they sent me for an ultrasound. And he said, well, that's not how you check for testicles to have fucking, he goes, the only way you can check for hernias in the testicular area is to do the finger test or whatever. So, um, I was not manscaped or anything. I went there because I had a cough, but we were talking about, it. and he said, I'll check you now if you want. And I go, let's, yeah, please. So I dropped trow and, uh, and he stuck his fingers up there. He asked me to cough on one side. He goes, okay. And then he asked me to cough on the side that was more. And he goes, oh, Okay. So he said, "Yes, you have a hernia right right, you know, up inside the wall. You have a you have a hernia. I can feel it right away even before you coughed. You coughed and it just confirmed it." And he said, "Here's the problem. You can go get this fixed, but the what they use now to repair hernias is like this metal mesh stuff." He goes, "It's it's what they're using now. It's not it it'll fix the job. The problem is is that he goes, you, you have a lot of coughing and allergies and stuff you're seeing, which is a completely different subject for another day. I'm, I'm getting allergy shots and stuff, but I cough a lot. And he goes, if you're coughing all the time and you're out of shape and you're planning on doing sort he goes, he goes, that mesh has been known to rip and tear because your skin heals through it. Uh, you know, your insides heal into this mesh and you start coughing and stuff and you you can tear yourself up and make it worse than the inside. And his suggestion to me was, um, he said, if you have found a way to live, the last 10 years with this and haven't needed the surgery. He goes, I I would suggest continue going that route. And that's what he said. That's what he said to me. At least he found it and he told me the pros and cons of the procedure. He had said that he had had a hernia and had the same thing. And he goes, he's had, he's had uh, some, some issues since. And he knows a lot of people working in the hospital who've had issues too. He goes, there's, a case, there's some hospitals love to do it a different way. And that method works. I can't remember it right now. But I just remember in that moment, Feeling so vindicated because I, I, my family and crystal and everybody has since found out about the stuff. Once I started getting it looked at, I, you know, I was able to, to, to talk about everything and feel a lot better. As soon as someone's like, no, it's not cancer. Obviously I felt stupid for not getting checked sooner. And now my policy is anything happens, go get checked. I've, I've overcome that fear portion. That was a young man's fear. But, um, like I said too, I think the positive that came from that is that I started stand up. If I, if I hadn't have gone through that, maybe I would still just be working jobs. I hated because I had no fear, right, that anything was coming close to the end. Well now I'm getting back into a real bad shape and state of affairs. And uh and it's time to do something because I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking eat my way into an early grave now. It's not cancer that'll kill me, it's fucking the fork. But uh I can't tell you guys how good I felt having someone say, Yeah, you do have a hernia. That pain that you felt for the last ten years has not been in your fucking head, which is how I felt when I finally got checked. Anyways, I'm 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 yakking a little, maybe too long on this one subject, but the, the point that I'm getting at is now I'm excited to go back to the gym. I'm excited to do something about this. Um, in terms of what this lump on my side is and, and the solution, I still don't have one. Um, I'm really unhappy with the state of affairs of, of general practitioners and stuff in Ottawa. I've only had one besides Apple Tree. I need a GP. So if anyone listening to this in Ottawa area knows a doctor who's accepting and someone they would recommend, for the love of God, please send them my way because I am I am dealing with a daily pain that I would love to to, to get out of my life. Um, but I want to lose weight. That's important to me. Um, but I'm a little concerned about the gym only because of what's wrong with my side and having the hernia. Part of me is worried that if I push too hard, I'm going to do damage to myself. And, uh, you know, that whole feeling of you're like, you're, you're, you're on a bike or you're on a machine and you're just like, Oh, just keep going. You feel the burn, you feel the pain, but keep going just a little more. I don't want to blow something out the bottom of me or rip something in my side to, 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 you know, feel the burn or whatever. So part of me is, I, I feel like a bit, a bit of a stalemate. I'm honestly afraid to, to push too hard at the gym, you know? And, uh, if anyone who knows me knows that if I give something, I try to give it my all. So, um, that's full disclosure guys, another long another long podcast but I feel like uh, you know at least I got this off my chest even if nobody cares um, I've admitted it I can own it at this point so um, sorry for the long sort of downer story portion here but but you guys know where I'm at I'm 300 fucking 16 pounds Um, the hygiene's gotten a lot better too. I feel like, uh, (laughs) that's a spot that it's like, it's embarrassing to throw out there. But like I said, when I was really worried about, you know, lumps on my sides and pains in my nuts, uh, I did not like to go into the shower. That was a lot of intimate time with something that was scaring the shit out of me. But I think if anything I learned from talking about this today is I I might know the answer to my, why did I get into standup story? Because for years I've been asked that question and I felt like the only reason I did it was because I was bored at work and. And my friends and I were going out to see amateur shows, but I think looking a little deeper, I think part of the, one of the reasons why I took the chance and did it was I, I thought I was at the end of the line and I was just trying to, uh, to actually do something that mattered to me before it all was, was over. Um, I'm going to move on from this now. I'm going to keep telling you guys the way ins I'm going to keep telling you what I'm doing. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, if anybody wants to share, if anybody out there, I do, I, I meant to say this earlier, if anybody out there also str- struggles with the same fear, you know, of mortality or whatever. Um, you know, you guys heard me talk a couple episodes ago about the fucking ambulances and stuff like that. Like the reason I'm always worried about that is because I do fear, you know, my own health and, and fear my own mortality. I want to make sure someone can fucking save my ass if, <laughs> if necessary. But I think, I think, like I said, uh, in that episode, I was saying my mortality and, and my health and things like that have been on my mind. And it's because I know I'm not in a good way. So I'll do weigh-ins. I'll tell you guys that stuff. But if anyone else has fears of mortality or anything like that, if you found any comfort in it, please feel free to share that. If you are struggling with that fear as well, I know it's tough because there's no answers on it. Um, I've had conversations with really intelligent people. I've I have done I have looked into ways of feeling more confident and comfortable with the idea. Um, and I remember uh, Matt Davis. I don't know I don't remember ex- the exact wording of the quote, and I unfortunately don't know who said it, but it's. Um, it's a nice way of looking at things, but but Matt Davis told me this quote when we were driving back from uh, from Kingston one time. He said that the uh, the life is the long, slow march to the grave, but you can dance it if you want to. And uh, and I think that's what I'm trying to do now. I think that's where my moment was was with with my my my, <laughs> my brush with death, which just turned out to be a hernia, but but that fear made me decide that I want to start dancing it the rest of the way. I don't want to just keep trudging along and um, you know, anyways that's that's that. So I won't talk about that anymore this week. Thank you for anyone who stayed there. If you had to turn it off or if you just completely lost interest well then you'll never hear this part but if you did stay with me um, that's been a big part of of who I am. Just a quick little shout out to someone like Mark Forrester. Mark, I had that pain in my testicle at Future Shop that's how far back this goes just so you know um and that's I was 2022 20, so yeah we're going on like 13 years guys I had shit like that for a long time um where do I where do I go from here I got I got two quick uh emails that I'll share with you guys and then I'll, I'll wrap this up it's a minute you know hour 22 um I won't make this go longer than an hour and a half but thanks if you did stay through all of this thank you uh it really means a lot to me to get it off my chest I'm sorry it's not funny but maybe it gives you a little bit more insight as to where this goofy piece of whatever, goofy fuck, uh, you know, goes in his head, you know, day to day and where where I've been in my head over the last, you know, decade or something, you know. Um, but it's been there. All of this shit has been there all this time. And um, and just in the last couple of years, I started getting it looked into. And, and now I don't think it's going to kill me, but I, I now I need to start taking accountability of all of the neglect that I did to my body while I was afraid of it for so long. That's, that's how we got here. Um, I got two emails this week. Um, one of them from, uh, the first one is from Vanessa, also known as Red. Red uh, Vanessa is one of my friends in London, Ontario. We were friends back in the high school days and afterwards. So Red has sent me an email saying, Hey Josh, here are some of the items on my bucket list. And you can totally judge my bucket list. Well, I'm, I don't mean to judge it, but I'm certainly uh, intrigued by it. Uh, Number one is attend E3 and San Diego Comic-Con. Well, E3, for anyone who doesn't know, that's three E's. The Electronic Entertainment Expo is what that is. Uh, They show new video games, new consoles. That's where, you know, you first find out what games are being released in the upcoming year when new consoles are coming out or what new consoles have involved in them. Uh, Very, very funny. She said, yes, I will dress up. And she's referring to the San Diego Comic-Con. So um, everyone knows what a Comic-Con is. If you're not familiar with how they work, San Diego Comic-Con is the big one. That's where you'll see the Walking Dead panels and the Marvel movie panels and, you know, all the big shows and stuff, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, the entire cast when they all show up. Stuff like that is always at the San Diego Comic-Con. So, excuse me, I'm starting to get real dry from all the yak, the yak. Um yeah, so that was number one, attend E3 and San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, I will dress up and good on you. Have fun. I, To be honest with you, uh, I would love to do both of those things, San Diego Comic-Con and E3. Um, Jason and I actually looked into the criteria for E3, but E3, you only get to go if you're industry. You can't just go and show up to that. You have to be like a, you know, work at, at GameStop or EB Games or, you know, wherever the fuck else. Like, you have to be like the main purchaser for Best Buy you know, to, to go to something like that, because that's, that's who they're showing off to is the people who are going to be carrying their products and selling their shit. So, um, uh, might be difficult to find a way into that one. Um, attend the triple crown thoroughbred racing. Don't know anything about it, but you want to see horses race. Cool. Um, I guess that's the big one, right? The no, Kentucky Derby. I think that's one too. It all seems stupid to me. <laughs> it's not stupid. I get it. You're, you do the, the horse stuff and you're going to say that in a minute. Um, learn how to fly a plane. Cool. Very useful skill, I would say, um, if necessary, right? The the pilots like me, as a heart attack, you know, you can take over. I'm that would i sure his co-pilot would have to have a heart attack as well, but I would imagine he would die of grief. That's a Simpsons quote. Um, on my own horse, oh, sorry, oh, on my own horse. I'm really stupid. Uh, own my own horse, I compete in show jumping. So again, if you're interested in show, you know, horses and stuff like that, obviously you'd, you'd want to do the, the triple crown thing. Um, but good for you. Uh, it would be good to own a horse if you, uh, if you like jumping them, uh, visit Japan. And by that you say ancient Japan with samurais and stuff. Um, now I don't, I don't, I don't think that they have samurais in Japan anymore. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there was only one left and it was Tom Cruise. Uh, so the last samurai has come and gone, unfortunately. Do you mean like time travel or just where the samurais were? Cause you can do stuff like that, right? They have, they have places where you can go where things used to be. You know what I mean? You can go see the Coliseum. That's where gladiators used to fight. They got prisons that are closed now where they used to have inmates. Fun stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's cool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You said stay at the Turtleman Resort. Now, you sent me a link for that, and I tried to look at it, but it looks like just a nice resort. Palm trees, sands. So it did lose my interest. I didn't think there was anything unique to it. It lost my interest pretty quick. Um, however, your last item on your list, which was tour, the Serengeti on horseback. Um, I looked at that link and that was super cool. Um, you basically, it's like going on a, like a, like an African safari, but on horseback. So you get to ride horses like all through the countryside, seeing like elephants and giraffes and, and watching like, you know, the wildebeest, Is it wildebeest Buffalo. Anyways, uh, uh, watching them like migrate thousands at a time. I thought that was pretty fucking spectacular. Um, but it's expensive, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't see everything that was involved, but it was like starting at $6,000 to do a tour or whatever for a day. And I was like, all right. I, I mean, it seems amazing if I, you know, if I ever become uh, big, you know, not physically. I've achieved that. If I become big, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of riches, I would love to do stuff like that. In fact, I I will promise you here and now that if I ever become big enough to just do whatever I want financially, I will make that bucket list item happen for you. Um, there's a lot of my own and of my ladies that we will be doing before that, but I will, I will do that for you because that is something I too would like to do. So as long as you don't mind mine and, uh, you know, and, and maybe some other people of my choice's company on that trip, We will make that happen for you. Um, That's what you put you in your email with. Those are the things I can think of off the top of my head. Great show, buddy. I think you should record in the day or at a time when you aren't worried to be loud. Because I feel sometimes you are trying to be quiet because it's nighttime. Well, I'm never trying to be quiet because it's nighttime. I think I just escape into what I'm saying in my... my volume shrinks. Now I recorded during the day today and I had fucking roommates vacuuming and shit like that in the meantime. So sometimes at night or when they're not here is best because then we can actually talk without being interrupted. But um sorry for the the, the reduction of voice. I just it, it takes a lot to constantly be speaking at a loud volume. And I got one minute left before the, the hour and a half mark and I will read Mike T's email. Mike has emailed in before uh, Mike sent me his bucket list um, a week ago, and now he says, Dearest Josh, thank you for shitting on my dreams in the last episode. I will attempt to defend my bucket list. The HBO special over Netflix is more of a nostalgia goal than anything else. Because, yeah, his his career goal that he sent in was to have an HBO special. He said Netflix doesn't count. So he said HBO special uh, over Netflix is more of a nostalgia goal than anything else. I understand HBO may be the dinosaur. Cough, cough, Game of Fucking Thrones, cough. But Carlin specials have always seemed to be a benchmark of success and quality. Also, I feel that Netflix is oversaturated with very unfunny stand-up specials. I'll change my personal goal to owning a helicopter. Okay, because I think his personal goal was to do whatever he has to do to achieve his career goal, which felt like a bit of a cop-out, Mikey. So thank you for sending in a different one. You don't have to. They're your list. You do whatever you want. I am just made my comment on it. Um, so you'll change your personal goal to owning a helicopter, uh, active volcano sex, which is what he's wanted to say in his, in his romantic social sort of goal. He said, uh, have sex in an active volcano, preferably with with someone else or a female, I think he said, uh, but this is active volcano sex just has that element of danger and fear required to sustain an erection for more than four minutes in this digital era. So, Okay. That works good. I am still enjoying the podcast in light of the personal attacks against my dreams and will continue to listen because of our shared contempt of child road safety initiatives and senior citizen employment opportunities. Best regards. Thank you, Mike T for emailing in. Thank you, Red, for emailing in your bucket list. Um, I, I appreciate all you guys. Anybody else wants to email anything in, you know the email address, contact at onemanpodcast.com. Uh, I've got facebook twitter instagram and youtube all of that stuff uh, i try to post you know little different things if you guys are following all of them but one man podcast for all of them feel free to to follow like all that stuff there um thank you for listening guys i know it's been a long one i appreciate you making it in with me i will end it there flush the whole goddamn thing down the road you know what that was i pushed the wrong fucking button i'm supposed to put, play the outro music <laughs> i flushed the toilet such is my life. The more serious I try to be, the more professional, the more I just fucking shit the bed. So thank you guys for listening. I hit the right button this time. Uh, I hope you'll listen again. Cause you're like, this guy just keeps getting longer and longer and darker and darker. Well, that's, uh, that's the way it is this week. I hope you'll be here next week when we have Jason Lawrence. Thanks for listening guys.